0: Notre Dame capped off its 2023 season with the most lopsided bowl victory in school history. And I believe this is another example that shows Marcus Freeman as the program trending in the right direction at the perfect time. That's coming right up. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Irish, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Tyler Wojciak and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018 and now I'm a producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And the time has come to put a bow on the 2023 football season for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They ended the season on a high note, to say the least, by dominating the Oregon State Beavers to the tune of 40-8 to eight in the Sun Bowl that featured a lot of new faces, but also some things that we've become accustomed to seeing for this team, particularly another dominant performance by Al Golden's defense. So today I'm going to go over what I think this win means for the future of the program and highlight some of the top individual performances that I think really matter for the future. But I want to start by focusing on the here and now because I think it was very important to Marcus Freeman and his staff to get a 10th win, and they did just that. It's something that clearly they had been, um, they had emphasized to the players in the weeks leading up to this game and really during the end of the regular season. I actually remember Al Golden saying something. Um, I think he was asked about other opportunities, particularly head coaching opportunities in the college game. He said, Look, we're just focusing on getting 10. Um, so that was right after the loss to Clemson, and even though that loss sort of um, crush any hopes of Notre Dame making to a New Year's Six. There was still a lot for Notre Dame to play for, and getting that 10th win was one of the biggest things that they needed to do to close out this season. And really, ever since that Clemson game, which was a really disappointing loss, Notre Dame has been really hot. They dominated their last two games in the regular season, granted to pretty weak teams, but still they got the job done, they took care of business, and then they took care of business in the bowl game against an Oregon State team that came into this game ranked, but obviously they were missing a lot of key pieces due to opt-outs, but so was Notre Dame. Like It it was a problem that um, both teams had to deal with, and Notre Dame dealt with it a lot better than Oregon State. And the reason why I think this 10th win is so important for this team and really this program is it's a tangible sign of growth Uh, from year one of the Marcus Freeman era to year two. It's not a huge leap, right? It's literally just one more win in the win column. Last year, Notre Dame finished the regular season 8-4. and They got that ninth win in the uh, bowl game against uh, South Carolina in that Gator Bowl. This year, they finished the regular season 9-3, and and then they get the tenth win in the bowl game as well. And I'll admit, um, I've said it before on the show, that I think getting that tenth win in the bowl game doesn't mean quite as much as if you did it during the regular season. But still, uh, you needed to get it, right? Marcus Freeman could not afford to lose this game, he could not afford to have the same record in year two than he did in year one, because I think we can all agree that this year's team is much better than last year's team um, on both sides of the ball, talent level, particularly at quarterback, even if you are um, super stoked about the Sam Hartman experience in the way that it did not live up to our preseason expectations. Putting that aside, this team is still better than last year's team. And if they finish the season with the same record uh, as that 2022 team, it just would have been it would have been really disappointing. And it would have meant that Marcus Freeman would have to answer a lot of questions in the offseason about the direction of the program because even though there's a lot of positive things happening off the field for Notre Dame, and I'll get into those here in a second, none of that really matters if you're not winning on Saturdays or, I guess, in the case of the Sun Bowl, on Fridays. Wins and losses are the most important thing in college football. And no matter what's going on off the field, good or bad, if you're able to win then a lot of that sort of goes out the door, right? You could have all kinds of problems, or you could have all kinds of good things happening off the field. Like, look at at Miami, for example, right? They hired Mario Cristobal. They've signed some really top-end recruiting classes. But guess what? They just finished 7th and 6th this season. So the way that the fan base feels about that program right now is not that great. Notre Dame is able to do some really good things uh, off the field, and then they were able to marry that with another win on the field in that 10th win, which is, as I've been saying, is very important to this program. And there's been a lot of good stuff happening for Notre Dame, and I think that this game doesn't necessarily change the expectations going into next season. Like, we aren't going to be looking at 2024. Like, well, now that Notre Dame kicked Oregon State's ass in the Sun Bowl, now they're going to make the college football playoff. No. Like, to be honest with you, 10 years from now, we probably won't even remember this game. Like, I'm not gonna be telling my grandkids about the 2023 Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, but that doesn't really matter because Notre Dame um, has a lot of momentum going on right now. They've, it really all started after that first week of the offseason when things looked really bad, when all the wide receivers were leaving and Chansey Stuckey got fired, seemingly out of the blue. Things were not looking great, but then Marcus Freeman was able to sort of stabilize everything by adding some key guys. In the transfer portal, most notably quarterback Riley Leonard, but also some key pieces like R.J. Oben, the defensive end, also from Duke, Bo Collins, and Chris Mitchell at wide receiver. So that was great. They got that going in the right direction. He immediately hired Chancey Stuckey's replacement and Mike Brown. Um, Who's the associate head coach and receivers coach at Wisconsin has a lot more experience than Stucky did, and then most recently by adding uh, Mike Denbrock to be next year's offensive coordinator following the departure of Jared Parker, and also adding Laren Landau, the new strength and conditioning coach, someone who comes in um, with a ton of praise, most notably by some prominent Notre Dame alums like Brady Quinn, who said some really encouraging things about what Landau can bring to Notre Dame. So. They've got all this stuff going on, right? They're, they're riding this train of momentum. I've been saying on this podcast how it's been a lot of good days lately that would have all come to a screeching halt if Notre Dame had lost to Oregon State in this Sun Bowl, but they didn't. It's like uh, that Kanye West quote where he's like, a lot of people were wondering what would happen if I didn't win. Well, now we won't have to worry about that. Now we won't have to worry about all the f- questions that Marcus Freeman would have to answer if he had lost this game to Oregon State. So I think that alone, um, it's one part relief, but it's also encouraging because Notre Dame just didn't win this game closely. They dominated from the start of the game. Uh, when Steve Angeli got the ball, pinned back at the four-yard line, I was like, okay, not an ideal start for Steve. And then guess what? He just drove the offense down 96 yards for a pretty easy touchdown. Notre Dame ran the ball at will on that drive and for much of the game. Um, so it really all came together really nicely for this team, and it's a great way for the program to head into the off season because they've had all this good things going. Now they can just add it to the list, right? They can keep it going. And a lot of Notre Dame fans are really happy about the direction of this program. And you know what? They should be. There's a lot of really good things happening and college football is rapidly changing. It's, it's been rapidly changing for years, but for now it feels like Notre Dame is keeping pace with all the other top programs in college football. They're being aggressive in the transfer portal. They're paying top, quality assistant coaches to come to Notre Dame and elevate this program, elevate both sides of the ball. And they're going to build these new facilities that should get or at least close to some of the other top programs in college football. They're active in the transfer portal. Everything seems to be in order with NIL. Like these are all really great and encouraging signs for the Notre Dame football program. And even though the bowl game isn't a marquee matchup, it wasn't on prime time. It was at 2 p.m. Eastern in El Paso. They still sold it out because Notre Dame fans travel, so there was still some excitement within the stadium about this game, and I think that the fan base is feeling really good about this, because even though it's unfortunate when a lot of guys opt out, you aren't seeing the stars and the players that we've really loved watching and rooting for throughout their time at Notre Dame, it does give those young guys some opportunities to come in, make some plays, see a lot more action than they're used to seeing. And those type of performances, that experience is something that can translate into the future because going into this game, it didn't feel as much a part of the 2023 season, at least to me, as it does for the 2024 season and beyond. And even though there were some guys like J.D. Bertrand, Javante Jean-Baptiste who were playing their final game for Notre Dame, and they played really well, I'll get to them uh, more in segment two. The fact that you're able to watch Steve Angeli and Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price and on defense guys like Christian Gray, watching them perform at a high level, going up against a good Power 5 team in Oregon State and seeing them play well and sort of um, basically affirming our beliefs about what they could be as players for this Notre Dame team, being able to actually see it, having evidence that, hey, these guys can really play going into next season is just another, it's like another step. Into what this team can, uh, what this team hopes to achieve next season and beyond, because I think that next year we're entering the most pivotal year for Marcus Freeman in his entire uh, coaching career. It is a very important stage for him in this program because the third year, as we've we've talked about before on this po- podcast, for any Notre Dame coach is extremely important. It was important for Brian Kelly, um, and then he led Notre Dame to a national championship appearance. We don't have to have we don't have to talk about what happened in South Beach, but still. He came in that season with really just a lot of pressure. I wouldn't even say the expectations were that high, but they're going to be very high for Marcus Freeman going into his third year. And this program is in a very important stage. It's got a head coach that they believe in, and he's starting to show uh, significant improvement from year one to year two, now heading into year three. And college football is changing along with him. And for once, it looks like Notre Dame is ready to be a part of that top group, not just for one season – but for the next several seasons because I think now with the expanded playoff, every season is going to be college football playoff or bust for Notre Dame. And going into that era, going into the expanded college football playoff era, Marcus Freeman has the Irish clicking going into his most important season of his coaching career and a lot of these players as well. It's it's really hard to not get too excited after watching the Sun Bowl and to think about what this team can accomplish next season. I, I can't wait. But coming up next, there are a few – players who really stood out on Friday, and I want to highlight a few of those that stood above the rest. need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com motors. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, before we get back to the Sun Bowl, this is a reminder to please give this video a thumbs up below and subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. Or if you're listening to the podcast, please rate the show five stars and subscribe from wherever it is that you're listening to the pod. Okay. Now, let's talk about some key performances that stood out. Look, a lot of guys had great games in this game. That's what happens when uh, you beat a team 40 to 8 and you dominate. You dominate in the way that Notre Dame dominated Oregon State. But we got to start with the quarterback, Steve Angeli. Given the circumstances, I don't think you could have asked for a better game from Steve Angeli in his first start as the Notre Dame quarterback. He finished 15 of 19, threw for 232 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He did have a fumble, but fortunately for Notre Dame, it was not recovered by Oregon State, so he didn't have a turnover. Turnover, and it was enough to win MVP, but that honor went to Jordan Faison, who I'll get to here in a second. And like I said uh, in the open, when he got the ball to start, 96 yards to go, I was like, oh, man, like this isn't really great. Backed up in his own territory, but it didn't matter. Now, Notre Dame ran the ball for most of that drive, but he did connect with Faison down the sideline for um, a great throw and catch, even though it was sort of a busted coverage, Oregon State did not pass off the receiver there uh, correctly, but hey, it didn't matter. They left an opening for Steve Angeli and he took advantage of it. And I saw some people online who were saying, well, does this game, uh, does this performance by Steve Angeli mean that he should go into the spring as the starter? No, I I just, I don't think that's the case. If we were to look at, you know what Riley Leonard has done in his career, and compared to Steve Angeli, uh, in totality, it's just not even close. Riley Leonard has played a lot more football than Steve Angeli, though, so he obviously has the advantage there. But I think that it does show Notre Dame that hey, Steve Angeli can really play, and they should do everything they can to keep Steve Angeli around because even if he doesn't win the job, if Riley Leonard is QB one next year, like we all expect, Notre Dame can. Rest comfortably knowing that Steve Angeli is a really quality backup option and Riley Leonard is a running quarterback. He's a big dude. He just dealt with a serious injury that impacted his 2023 season. He only played in seven games. Odds are he's probably going to get hurt next season with the way that he runs the ball. If he does get hurt and it means Steve Angeli has to come in and run the offense, I think that a performance like this shows that the coaching staff should have a lot of belief and confidence in Angeli that he can keep things going. Now, I don't know if Angeli wants to sit around and be the backup for another year. I think those questions will sort of figure themselves out uh, throughout spring practice. I do expect him to be around in the spring. But a performance like this, um, it's just—it's a big testament to him, his character, his focus going into this game because a lot of quarterbacks out there would have seen Riley Leonard come in and then immediately bolted for the portal. They wouldn't have even tried to put up a fight. And Steve Angeli is doing just that, and that started with his performance in the Sun Bowl. So just... Big shout out to him. Great game by him. Now let's get to the running backs and specifically Jadarian Price because going into this game, myself and a lot of other people were talking about Jeremiah Love and what he was going to do in his first start because – He's the true freshman. He was a top 100 player coming out of high school, and he has certainly flashed this season, particularly in that Ohio State game. But it was actually Jadarian Price who stole the show at running back. He had 13 carries, 106 yards. That's a career high, and 90 of those 106 rushing yards came after contact. He is a really strong runner. He forced five missed tackles. He's not quite the big, you know, physically imposing runner that Audric Estime is. But he's still a really big dude. He's got really strong legs, and he's just not going to go down if you try to arm tackle him. Um, So I was really impressed by what he was able to do in this game. He probably deserved more carries this season, but I'm just glad he showed up when it was his turn. I really hope... He sticks around because I think the tandem of him and Jeremiah Love could be better than any one-two punch Notre Dame has had at running back in a really long time. Now let's get to Jeremiah Love because even though he didn't have quite the stats that Jadarian Price did, he still played really well in his, his first career start. 15 carries for 39 yards, doesn't jump off the page, but he added a 15-yard reception touchdown that really showed off his playmaking ability. He caught the ball, and I was like, oh, that might be stuff. And then he just made the first guy miss, then the next two, and then he waltzed in for a touchdown. He really hasn't broken off a huge run yet. I feel like he's due. It feels like every time he touches the ball, it, it might happen, and that he's just like a crease away from breaking off a huge run. But I just love the way that he hits the hole. He he runs like 1,000 miles per hour. Like One thing that was really frustrating about watching Audrick Esme, and this is not meant to like discredit him. Esme is an unbelievable running back. But sometimes he... Attacked the hole really slow. Like he was a really patient runner, but sometimes I just wanted to see him run through and plow through guys through the hole. Jeremiah Love isn't as big as SMA, that's for sure, but boy, does he hit the hole hard. And uh, I did get a kick out of Gary Danielson saying that Jeremiah Love is not known for his explosive explosive speed. That was clearly a mistake. Um, Normally, you know, I don't like harping on broadcasters for making mistakes because I make mistakes all the time, but That's something, like, (laughs) that's a pretty big miss by Danielson, Uh, one of a few that the broadcast crew made. But, hey, maybe they were opting out of their preparation for this bowl game, much like a lot of players on both of these teams have done as well. Let's talk about the MVP, Jordan Faison. I mean, what what else can you say about this dude? The former walk-on lacrosse player just feels like it feels diminishing to call him that now, right? Like, I tweeted this out tongue-in-cheek. Is Jordan Faison wide receiver one next year? It seems ridiculous, but he might be the best playmaker Notre Dame has at wide receiver. He certainly was on Friday. He finished with five receptions, 115 yards and a touchdown. And it's it's funny how his season has kind of come full circle. Like you started off fall camp as the guy like, "Oh, there's this like Pesky Walk on, who also plays across and he's making plays. He's beating some first team uh defense guys. And now he finished the season by being the offensive or no, the team's MVP in the game. Like anyone who could have predicted that rise is lying to you because even though there's a lot of people on the beat who are watching these practices saying, hey, Jordan Faison is a dude. I don't think anyone expected him to be this good by season's end, but that is the case right now. I know that Notre Dame lost two freshman receivers to the transfer portal and Braylon James and Rico Flores, but after seeing what uh, Faison did on Saturday or on Friday, excuse me, I keep making that mistake. He might be better than all of them, and I know that Rico Flores was freshman of the year, um, or at least on our award show that I did with Luke Smith, we both called him the freshman of the year. Um, you know, set some or did some really outstanding things during his true freshman season. He does not have the breakaway speed or the explosive playmaking ability that Jordan Faison has. So if Faison is able to continue to develop under new wide receivers coach Mike Brown, if he's able to get his technique right and become a more polished receiver, the sky's the limit for what this guy can accomplish at Notre Dame. So if you start to look ahead to Notre Dame next season and what they could have in that wide receiver room, like the best case scenario is that none of the transfer guys are in the top three receivers for Notre Dame. Like if Jane Thomas, Jane Greathouse, and Jordan Faison are leading the way, and then Bo Collins and Chris Mitchell – are really solid um, fourth and fifth options at wide receiver, plus the new freshman are coming in. Like, that's the best best case scenario for this Notre Dame offense going next season because they are three really talented players. All right, let's talk about Charles Jagasaw and Tosh Baker, the two starting tackles in this one. And overall, I thought it was a great debut for the true freshman Jagasaw and a really impressive performance by Tosh Baker getting his first start since 2021. Jagasaw did give up the sack to Andrew Chatfield look, it happens. Uh, he made a mistake. Chatfield also has 10 sacks on the season that led Oregon State going into the game. It was something that I talked about in the preview was that for all the opt-outs on Oregon State's defense, they didn't have opt-outs at defensive end. Their two best edge rushers were going to be playing in this game, and it was going to be a really tough task for the new tackles for Notre Dame. And I thought they uh, they played really, really well in this game. Um, I thought Jagisaw really held his own, and I didn't know what to expect from him. Like, if he had had a couple mess-ups, it would have been like, okay, you know, that's to be expected, right? He's a true freshman making his first start at a position that he hasn't even really played full-time this season because his only snaps so far this year have come at guard. Like if he didn't play well, it wouldn't even really been that shocking, but he played really well, in my opinion. And also Tosh Baker uh, really bounced back. I know that going into this game, there was a lot of talk about how he played in 2021 and it was not particularly well. Now he gets to go into the offseason with this being his most recent significant action. And I think that's great for his confidence. I still think Notre Dame should look to add a tackle in the transfer portal Um if nothing else, for depth purposes, and hopefully you get a more experienced guy in there. But I think what this shows is that if Notre Dame doesn't end up adding a tackle, they should feel all right about these two going into next season. Is it still going to be a concern because of the lack of experience for both of them? Yes, but at least now there's some evidence that they can really contribute going up against some good good edge rushers on Oregon State. Speaking of edge rushers, Jordan Botello, like, Does anyone like bowl games more than Jordan Botello? He showed out last year in the Gator Bowl. He had two sacks against South Carolina. Then this time, he leads the team in tackles with five. Plus, he added another sack and a half tackle for loss. He also announced that he's coming back for next season, as did Xavier Watts, who actually announced he's coming back like 15 minutes before I started recording this podcast. So, That's really encouraging for Notre Dame next season. If Botello continues to improve, Notre Dame could have one of the best defensive lines in the country next season. We already know that the interior is going to be stout with Riley Mills and Howard Cross. And then you add R.J. Oben, the six-year senior from Duke in the Transfer Portal, who's been really productive in college, specifically at getting after the passer. And then Jordan Botello, another graduate senior, who will be in his fifth year next season. Like if if Botello continues to improve and develop and become a force at at Viper – that's that's some grown-ass men playing on the defensive line who are all really good players, and that is something I'm really excited about as we look to next season. Um, speaking of those guys, I feel like we should give a quick shout-out to Howard Cross. Just a dominant game again by him. He only played 28 snaps, but he's extremely effective when he was out there. Four tackles, a sack, three quarterback hurries, 30% pass rush win rate. Just what you expect out of him at this point. Same with J.D. Bertrand and Javante Jean-Baptiste. They end their careers at Notre Dame the same way they've played throughout most of their time, um, playing for the Blue and Gold. He, They were both really impressive all around. They will certainly be missed next season, and I actually heard uh, before the game started that J.D. Bertrand was actually playing through an injury, and I, I don't know what else you can say about J.D. Bertrand. Like He took a lot of heat as a player throughout his career from the fan base. Um, I didn't think it was deserved. I've said that before, so we don't have to go into that again, but I think that most rational fans have realized just how productive he was and how important he was for the program by the end of it. So I'm really glad that Bertrand and JJB were able to go out on top. At one point, we didn't even know if they were going to be playing in this game. They played. They played outstanding. And they just, they're just they just unbelievable players, man. And they're certainly going to be missed next season. Christian Gray, a lot of, uh, a lot of snaps by him. And I thought he was really productive. Two tackles. Uh, He was targeted three times. He only gave up one reception for eight yards. He had a nice run stop in there as well. He was able to play a little bit of both positions at corner. He played 10 snaps at nickel, 18 uh, as the wide corner. And that was actually five more than Jaden Mickey who got the start. And I've talked about it before. Like I am so high in Christian Gray and what he can do for Notre Dame next season. It's going to be a battle, though, with him, Jaden Mickey. And real quick, prayers go out to Mickey and the entire Mickey family. Jayden lost his mom to cancer, I believe it was the night before the game started. She's been battling cancer since 2020 and was admitted to hospice care in the fall. And even though uh, she's been battling this for a long time and the prognosis was not looking great for her, and I'm sure that this... Is something that the family had probably been trying to prepare for for a long time no matter how hard you prepare for it you try to get your mind ready to to accept it when the time comes i don't really think there is anything you can do when you actually find out the news that your mom has passed and the fact that he was able to play this game and play well he the fact that he even chose to be out there is a testament to him and his and his character if he had decided to leave and go home to spend time with his dad and the rest of his family. No one could have faulted him for that, but he didn't do it. And uh, I was just just really happy for him that he was able to go out there with his teammates and have a couple good plays in there and just have a moment with them to sort of – you know, there's no way it was a full distraction from the reality of his situation, but the fact that he was able to share it with his teammates, his brothers and all that, and also play well while doing it is, uh, it's great for him. It's great for his family and, uh, really just hoping for the best for all of them. Last thing I'll say about Jane Mickey, I understand why the coaching staff loves him so much and why his teammates love him so much as well. Hearing Benjamin Morrison talk about him in the post-game press conference was, uh, It was really special, man, to talk about – or to hear him talk about his teammate and how how much he means to him and the rest of this team is – it's something special, man. And, you know, when you're a fan of this team and you're rooting for these guys, when you find out about what they're dealing with off the field and to see them come through and then make plays and really just – have it all come together, even if it's for just 60 minutes uh, on the field in El Paso. It's, it's something that makes this all fun, and you just hope the best for Jay and Mickey uh, and his family as well as they go through this difficult time. So now that we've covered all these great individual performances, what do they all mean for the future of Notre Dame, and particularly next season that's coming up next? Lockdown has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. This episode of Lockdown Irish is also brought to you by Prize Picks. PrizePix Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. And you've heard me talk about Prize Picks before. I've had so much fun playing it during the football season. And now you could play during basketball season as well. You just select two or more players and then pick more or less than the projected stats and place your entry. PricePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return for the second, that player is rebooted. PricePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy, and that's just one of the reasons why I think it's the best daily fantasy game out there. Go to PricePix.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PricePix.com slash college, code College for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks, Daily Fantasy Sports, made easy. Now that the Sun Bowl is officially passed and we start to turn the page a little bit to next season, I just wanted to talk about what this all means for the future of this program. Because, like I said earlier, this one game doesn't affect my expectations for next year. It was always going to be college football playoff or bust. But now that we've been able to see these young guys perform, some of the guys who I just highlighted in segment two, like Jadarian Price, like a Jeremiah Love, like a Christian Gray... Like, all of those things really matter to next season and beyond. Notre Dame is a really easy schedule next season. At least that's how it looks right now. Um, Obviously, things can change. The way that you talk about a schedule going into the season is not the same that you talk about it at the end of the season. Like, going into the season, we thought Notre Dame had maybe one of the toughest schedules in the country. I thought the schedule was difficult, but not nearly as difficult as we thought it was going to be going into the year. Ohio State lived up to the billing. USC did not. Clemson was slightly disappointing. Actually, they were definitely disappointing. Uh, considering I picked Notre Dame to lose to Clemson at the beginning of the year, thinking that Kate Klubnik and Garrett Riley and Clemson um, would be one of the best teams in the country. Obviously, that was not the case. But Notre Dame did lose, so I guess I, I guess I got that part right. But right now, as we look at 2024, like the first game of the season at Texas A&M and Kyle Field. That's going to be a difficult task, even though Texas A&M has had a bunch of guys leave the program, but they do have a new head coach in Mike Elko, who's really good. Who knows what's going to happen with Florida State. I'm sure they're going to take a step back, but they've been recruiting too well, and they've been so active in the transfer portal that I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff and resort to where they used to be uh, just a few years ago. So I think that's going to be a challenge. Louisville's going to be a challenge. But other than that, it's a lot of cupcakes on Notre Dame's schedule, and they have to go, at least the way things look right now, Eleven and one um, to have a successful regular season, in my opinion. Now, obviously, things can change, but I think that's going to be the expectation throughout most of the mo- most of the off season. Now, they could probably get in at ten and two, but with that schedule, you don't really know, right? Like, I don't know who the signature win would be uh, going into next season. We'll figure that all out when the time comes. But the the most important thing is that. We know the defense is going to be really solid next year. They certainly are on paper. If Al Golden uh, sticks around and he's there with the Irish next season, then I'm going to feel really, really good about this defense. I think they'll finish in the top five. They have a real shot at being one of the best defenses in the country with the defensive line that I was talking about earlier. And then you got Jack Kaiser uh, leading the charge for the linebackers, plus some young guys who are really developing like Drake Bowen. And then at the back end of the defense, you got Xavier Watts, who is – awarded the Bronco Nagurski Award for the best defensive player in college football this past season. He's going to be back next year. Benjamin Morrison's going to be back. And then you got Christian Gray and Jaden Mickey, two young guys who are really starting to shine like they did in the Sun Bowl. So all of this comes together, and you realize the expectations are going to be really high for Marcus Freeman, for this team, from the fan base, all of that, because they ended the year on a high note, and you've got to see a lot of those young guys step up and make plays For Notre Dame, specifically on offense, like we know the defense is going to be good, but that offense, which was not good this season, or at least not good in big games, they were good against the bad teams, but against the better teams on the schedule, we know that the offense was really disappointing. Even though they lose some guys, they lose Audrey Esme, they lose Sam Hartman, Joe Alt, Blake Fisher, we got to see a lot of those young guys play in the Sun Bowl, and they played well. And I just went over them. Charles Shagasaw, Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love. Uh, Tosh Baker's not a young guy, but he's an inexperienced starter. He played well. That's all really encouraging as we look ahead to next year because the addition of Mike Denbrock alone should be enough to drastically improve the offense. He's proven to be a really effective offensive coordinator at the college level when he has the pieces to work with. Marcus Freeman has been recruiting at a high level this year. The offensive class was better than the defensive class, at least on paper. And there've been a lot of younger guys who've been coming up in this program that are going to have their time to shine next year. It's no longer, you know, Marcus Freeman, or it's no longer Brian Kelly's guys getting the bulk of the reps. Now Marcus Freeman is going to be in his third year. He's had three recruiting classes now to work with. And a lot of those guys are going to be playing on setters. Obviously there's going to be a few holdovers from the Brian Kelly regime, but still it's Marcus Freeman's team. Totally. And, when he got hired and we started fantasizing about what the roster could look like down the road with all these you know, new top recruits that he was bringing in, expectations are really high then. Well, now it's almost that time, right? It's almost that time to actually see those guys play for Notre Dame on Saturdays with some experience under their belt and not just playing in spot roles. Um, there's going to be some question marks about this team for sure, specifically on offense and that inexperience. Like, Even though they looked good in the Sun Bowl, it's, it's all going to change when they're you know starting week in and week out. Are they going to be able to play at that level on a consistent basis? Like Those are all things that we're going to talk about throughout the offseason about that team. But it's also very important that Marcus Freeman um, continues to learn. And he's not going to be as good of a coach next year as he will be three years from now because I think he's just so dedicated to growing and uh, evolving himself as much as he is the team and the program, he's always willing to learn. He's also, he's always open about the fact that he still is learning on the job to some extent. But I think that now, with the 10th win and everything that we've been seeing lately over the past month, Marcus Freeman is coming into his own as a head coach. Now, he can't afford to make Giant blunders like the 10 men on the field thing against Ohio State. Hopefully that's a lesson that will um, affect him throughout the rest of his coaching career. We're starting to see it coming together, and it's really exciting, man. It's a really exciting time to be a Notre Dame football fan because not only do you have Marcus Freeman coming into his own, they could have the best trio of coordinators in the country in the next season if Al Golden stays. because Mike Denbrock um, just won the award for best offensive coordinator uh, by football scoop, so he's really good. We know how good Al Golden is. And then you got Marty Biaggi, who's quietly, I think, had one of the best seasons of any special teams coordinator this past season. They added Mitch Jeter, the kicker, and the transfer portal. So, really, it, it's just a lot of good things coming together for this Notre Dame team. And when when everyone is this excited and there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic, that's all great, but it means the expectations are a little bit higher. And with those expectations comes a whole lot of pressure and Do not get a choice. And Marcus Freeman has a lot of pressure on him to win next season, and I believe he will. I can't wait. Like, the only unfortunate thing about this Sun Bowl is that it's the last game for a really long time. And we have a lot to talk about in the offseason, but there's truly, like, nothing I enjoy more than watching Notre Dame football and talking about the games. And uh, it's going to be a long time before we get to do that again. So even though that's unfortunate, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stuff to talk about in the off season, right here on this show. And that is actually gonna do it for this episode. And the first season of Locked Irish is officially in the books. Um, real quick, before I head out, I can't thank you enough for joining the ride along the way. Seriously, whether you started listening back in the early days when I started this show, back in February of this past year, or if you just started following the show during this past season, I really appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. Um, it has definitely been a grind for me doing the show daily for the past however many months, but I've really, really enjoyed it, and a big reason why is you, the listener or the viewer if you're on YouTube, and uh, I'm really excited about what the future holds. I will be back in the new year after the college football playoff games, and then it's going to be full speed ahead. End to the offseason. To stay up to date on everything we're doing over here on the show, the best way to do that is to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the pod. You can also give us a follow on x at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at lo- our Lockdown Irish pod, and my personal x account at Tyler. W-O-J-C-I-A-K. Happy New Year, and I'll talk to you soon.